Hello and welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Glad that you've joined us today. Uh, as a small, young church, we are growing little by little, and God keeps providing people to team with us in different areas to, to help us get more established. One of the areas that we've needed some help is in developing a band, a worship team. And so God has been providing uh, musicians and other vocalists and people to help us develop in that area musically. And that's been really exciting. And so what our normal routine is to do a band practice at my house because we don't have uh, a building or, or a larger space to gather. So it's usually right in the middle of my living room, even with our kids running around and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's been summertime here and getting the practice dates figured out is, uh, it, you know, it's less routine because people are coming and going. And there was one night where we had to change the date from, uh, you know, one end of the week to another end of the week. And I communicated that to everybody so everyone knew what the plan was and we were good to go with the change, um, except for one person. I forgot to tell one person about the change. And so she showed up on a Monday night and uh, it totally caught me off guard. So I, you know, opened the door and one of my kids was there. And I'm like, hey, what's, what's up? What brings you over tonight? Did, did Aaron invite you to hang out? And she said, you told us to come over tonight for band practice? And then I realized, oh no, I totally forgot to tell you that we changed it. Nothing says I've been thinking about you, like forgetting to tell someone important piece of information. So, uh, you know, what ended up happening was you know, she left and I think that probably threw off her plans for the whole rest of the night and she wasn't able to make the new date. So, I don't know if you've ever operated with bad information like that before <laughs> and had things switch around on you or hopefully you've not often been the source of unreliable information like I was at that time. But how reliable is most of the information that you come across day to day. Uh, you know, you get information from people in conversation. You get information maybe from Facebook and Instagram, social media. There's all kinds of info we get. There's the mainstream media, or maybe you like to go to more independent news sources. The quality of our life usually flows up or down depending on how accurate is the information that we're operating with. And these days, it feels like I don't know where to get reliable information. So I, I don't even know if what I'm reading is true right now. My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights. And if I haven't got a chance to, I'd love to meet you. So make sure you leave your contact information uh, or fill out that connection card. But we're doing a message series called Text. And we're looking at some aspects about a Christian's most important text, the Bible. And so... You know, the Bible really is the Christian's ultimate source of information. Last week, we talked about the history of the Bible and um, the many, many thousands of years of development that it went through to get from, you know, initially being written on some stone tablets to a bound book that we can hold in our hands today. And so that, that's, an that's a message that you can go back and listen to on our website or our podcast. But have you ever paused to ask, how reliable is my Bible. I mean, don't you think it would help to, at some point, pause and make sure that the Bible's legit? I don't know if you've ever heard the Bible criticized or undermined or people throw shade on it or, or aspects about it or point, you know, inconsistencies out in the Bible. And, it, and if you've ever heard 
some arguments against the Bible, it may cause you to second-guess its reliability. And if doubt begins to grow there, then usually what we do is we just will distance ourselves from it or just the value goes down. So before we talk a little bit more about the Bible, I want to show you a couple of my favorite Bibles. Here's one. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a Bible that we use at home. We've, we've started doing some family devotions and try to do that. Well, we try to do it every day. It doesn't quite happen every day. But um, we'll read out of this to my kids. This is a, a New Living Translation Bible. I love this translation. Very easy to understand. And if, if you haven't picked one of these up, I'd, I'd recommend it. But this is a Bible that we read together as a family. I've been really enjoying this one lately. Um, this one is even more special to me. This is a Bible that I've used for many years. It's, it's in pretty rough shape, if you can see that there. Um, and uh, I've, I've, its pages are worn. It's all marked up everywhere. And it's actually pretty grimy. <laughs> I got this one. Um, it's written right here in December 25th, 1999. This was given to me by my parents um, when I was really young. And I've, I've carried it with me. I've had it rebound a few times when it was falling apart. And I don't carry it in my backpack anymore because I don't want it to completely fall apart. But this is, uh, I've really come to understand a lot about God through this particular book. And I, I love this book. Let me show you another Bible. Well, it's not really a Bible. I'll show you. This is, um, this is a collection of music. And if you don't know what these are, these are CDs. <laughs> I don't know if you ever get CDs anymore, but this is, this is a whole bunch of albums from a, um, a band called Seeds Family Worship. And what this artist does, and there's a group of people that put Bible verses to music, and they don't paraphrase or get the kind of idea. They, they, get, they do it word for word, exactly out of the Bible, um, direct, directly as it's translated. And I love it. It's just amazingly well done. And so much of my development and my meditation on God has occurred through, through these songs. And so we've got every album that they put out. And I get excited waiting for a new album release because I, I just love interacting with God's Word in this way. I don't know if you've, I don't know the last time is that you got excited about the release of an album <laughs> from one of your favorite artists. This is, these are about the only people that, that I do that for now. Um, and then finally, there's one other way of looking at the Bible. And what you can do for that is just pull out this guy right here. This is a phone. And you can uh, engage the Bible through finding it online, or there's an incredible app called YouVersion. It's put out, put out by Life Church, or it's called the Bible app. And that's a way that has access to all kinds of Bibles, and translations, and Bible resources and devotionals so that you can access it, even download it to your phone. Um, access the Bible anytime, anywhere. And so that's, that's another, been another source of help for me. You know, some of these physical Bibles that, you know, these, these paper and bound Bibles, you know, you, you might buy one of these for $30 at a local bookstore or online. And some of, some of the Bibles are actually free. I don't know if you've ever seen a Gideon's Bible in a hotel. And those are just, you know, put, put around for free. But if, if this really is God's Word, you can't put a monetary value on it. It's, if it really is God's word, it's priceless. So are the words on the pages of this book, you know, the, the ink and the words that are, that are written here, are these really the words of God? Or is it just the opinions of men, whoever wrote it down here? 
I believe that inside this book, it actually contains the truth of our living God. And today I want to tell you why. The Bible says of itself, first we're going to look at, look at what the Bible says of itself. Well, in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. It's good for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, but it says it's inspired by God. And that word, it comes from the Greek word uh, theopneustos. <laughs> um, it's kind of a broken up word, but it, it means divinely breathed, given by the inspiration of God. Just imagine God breathing like, and the words that come out of his mouth are put on this page. It means that the words in the Bible are they come from his own inspiration. This word, the first part means theo, theo, which is where we get the word theology, the study of God. And the second part kind of comes from pneuma, where, meaning spirit. So all scripture is God-breathed, or God-inspired. And so this verse that we just looked at says that God's word will give you everything that you need, that we need to fulfill everything God is, wants us to do in life. So this is just one of the verses showing the Bible's description of itself. But let me tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, there's a few facts about the Bible. One, amazingly, is that the Bible is the number one best-selling book in the history of the world. <laughs> it's been reproduced an absurd amount of times and translated into so many different languages. It's been really widely distributed. Fact number two, this book is also the number one most shoplifted book in history of the world. So people just snag it off of shelves, I don't know. That's, uh, that's been, it's been studied, that it's been shoplifted. So I, and it made me wonder, is it a sin if, you're, if what you're stealing is a Bible? I'll let you wrestle that one out. <laughs> but truthfully, this Bible isn't just one book. It's 66 books wrapped up into one. So it's actually more like a library. And it takes the average person about 70 hours to read this book aloud. That'd be a long time if you read it nonstop. And what's even more amazing is that the Bible is written by all sorts of different people. It's written by politicians and statesmen, maybe the more upper crust of society. But it's also written, parts are written by farmers and shepherds and peasants, maybe some more blue-collar guys. It's written by musicians and poets. You got your right-brained guys and even tax collectors people that were really neglected in society, looked down upon. So the Bible is written from all sorts of people and in many different places. It was parts were written by Moses when he was in the wilderness, uh, by Jeremiah when he was in a dungeon. It was written by a guy named Luke while he was traveling, and even written by John while he was in, in exile out on an island. And this book is written from 13 different countries on three different continents. Parts were written in Asia and Africa and Europe, and uh, originally it comes in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, different parts put together. And what's amazing is that even though the Bible was written from people from all different walks of life over a span of 1,500 years, approximately, it has amazing accuracy and consistency when it comes to the message and the character of God and his redemptive plan for mankind. So the Bible 
is the Word of God. Not only is it consistent and true and inspired, but it speaks to so many different topics. You want to hear some of the topics that the Bible talks about? It talks about everything from marriage to divorce, remarriage, adultery, sex, lust, greed, guilt, materialism, generosity, healing, and hope, forgiveness, parenting, prayer, friendship, pride, obedience, heaven and hell, lying, murder, suicide, rape, fears and doubts, miracles, love, hate, money, criticism, creation, government and submission and rebellion, peace, leadership, comparisons, joy, discontentment, sacrifice, delayed gratification, patience, faithfulness, enjoying life, self-discipline, disasters, injustices, demons, angels, discipleship, disciplines, fasting, honor, mercy, caring for the poor, handling wealth, family, and even unicorns. Well, sort of. <laughs> uh, unicorns appears in a much older version of the Bible called the King James Bible, written in the 1600s, and uh, you can check that one out if you want to. But let's talk about the reliability of the Bible. We've looked at some facts about the Bible, but is it trustworthy? Is it true and accurate? Or is it just the opinions of a bunch of people? I'm here to say the Bible is reliable. And here's a, here's a few reasons that help in that case. Uh, one way to make the case is, well, well, in 1952, there was a historian named C Steve Sanders, and he came up with three specific tests that we can use to evaluate the authenticity of any historical writing. And so not just the Bible, but this could be used to uh, apply to other historical writings as well. So let's put the Bible to these specific tests. The first test is known as the internal test. Um, answering the question, what do the writers of the Bible say about the Bible? Meaning, do, do the people who wrote the Bible claim that their writings are true? Or do they say about their own work that, no, no, this is a story. This, we just made this up. Well, look at what Peter says in, in 2 Peter 1.16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths, stories. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't follow stories when we made it known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So in other words, Peter is saying, Listen, the stuff I'm writing about, I was there. I saw it. I experienced Jesus firsthand. What I'm telling you, I know, is absolutely true. Peter and these other guys uh, who wrote the New Testament, it was written somewhere between 47 and 95 AD. So there were plenty of first-generation believers alive who saw firsthand all that the Bible was talking about. And they could have at any point refuted Scripture and said, no, no, that's not true, but there's no record of that. So the Bible passes the internal test. There's um, another guy, more recently, uh, named J. Warner Wallace, who is an American cold case homicide de detective. Has a lot of experience in um, detective work and um, courtroom work. And Wallace understands how to wade through bodies of evidence to reach a conclusion. And he started out as an atheist. He eventually converted to Christianity, though. And there was this six-month process where he applied his skills of investigation to assess the existence of God and really the reliability of the Gospels. And the Gospels, by the way, there's, there's four books in the Bible that are called Gospels that are biographies of the life of Jesus, written 
There are eyewitness accounts written from four different guys that, that experienced it. And uh, I'll link to the video where Wallace talks about this, but he describes how at first, you know, even though he's got these deductive reasoning skills, Christianity wasn't really worth his time. <laughs> he didn't see uh, why to even prove or disprove the Bible. And now he's a major defender of it. And one of the things that came up was when he looked at the Gospels, a brief look, he noticed that there's these eyewitness accounts that don't perfectly match up. And he said, that actually reminds me totally of every cold case that I've ever worked on. No matter the story, no, no eyewitness accounts never line up perfectly. There's always these little discrepancies. And he said that was the case that maybe if you're writing the Bible that was the Word of God, you'd want to like weed out those things. And so he talks about that. That was one of the things that got him moving in the direction of deciding whether or not it was legitimate. And uh, in the world of logic, you learn that there's differences between a paradox or a discrepancy or an actual contradiction. And with all of the manuscripts we have of where we got the Bible, there are some variations in the words here and there. But what's amazing is that of all the variations that exist, none of them affect any doctrine. They don't affect any teaching on the Christian faith or any on our practice as believers. So if you want more on this concept of, um, you know, the Gospels or some of the discrepancies there, I've got some resources there. There's the, that video, um, Cold Case Christianity with J. Warner Wallace. There's another amazing book called uh, The Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties by Gleason Archer. And that, that covers many of the seeming contradictions that people point to. And then another video, Isn't the Bible Full of Errors by John Piper? You can find that on Desiring God. So let's, that's the first test of if we're trying to determine if this thing is legitimate and reliable. Uh, let's go to the next text, test, which is the external test. What do non-biblical sources say about the Bible? What, do the outside, what does outside evidence say about the Bible? Do other people say, no, that's, that thing's not, that's not true? Well, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ, as a historical figure, is incredibly well established in history. You can read all sorts of non-biblical writings about Jesus. You can read Roman writers, Greek writers, uh, some from Jewish sources where people affirm the life of Christ. And not only that, but the first century historian, uh, a guy by the name of Josephus, he wrote about Jesus. He also wrote about John the Baptist and James. He wrote about all sorts of other leaders that we read about in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts. So we've got a lot of other historical writings that affirm much of what happened in the Bible. And then you've got archaeology. For many years, Bible critics discredited the Bible saying, you know what, there haven't been enough discoveries that support Scripture. And for a long time, that was a valid argument. But in the 20th century, with all sorts of archaeological discoveries, many of the claims to discredit the Bible have been reversed. And we can't completely uh, validate the Bible based on archaeology, uh, but it is fair to say that the evidence that we found does provide external confirmations for hundreds of biblical statements. Over and over and over and over again, we're finding new discoveries that confirm the truth of Scripture. Nelson Gluick, uh, former president of the Jewish Theological Seminary and one of the great all-time archaeologists, he said, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted 
a biblical reference. And that's very, very good news when you're putting the Bible to the external test. So we've, we've found things in Israel, modern-day Egypt, and Jordan, and Greece, Italy, Iran, and Turkey, all over the place. Um, here's a picture of the, the Megiddo. Now this is just an example. This is an ancient city that in the Old Testament, when you read about Joshua, this was a city that he captured. And then it was later fortified by Solomon. It's amazing to see the, the whole city unearthed. Um, here's another picture, Capernaum. Uh, the old city of Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And there's a structure, there's kind of a white rectangular structure toward the back of the picture that uh, is probably where Jesus taught when he was alive. And there's an octagon-shaped roof uh, now over an area where they think might have been Peter's home, where he lived. And they found other things. They found bones, plates, theaters, aqueducts. Even a 2,700-year-old pig skeleton found in Jerusalem's city of David. And that was just posted this summer. So if you're curious for more on that, there's another book called Archaeological Evidence for the Bible by Campbell. And it, it shows many discoveries that verify people and places and events in the Bible. It's incredibly beautiful photography in that book. And then finally, the third test. Is this Bible reliable? There's the bibliographic test. Um, now that word maybe scares some flashbacks of high school tests, bibliography. But this test is how well were the original documents translated? So, you know, we have Bibles and they're copies, right? We don't, have an, we don't have a single original document. You know, when Paul wrote a letter from prison, we don't have that paper. Or John or Peter, we don't have any original documents. So from the life of Christ all the way up through year 1500 AD. Uh, what we have has just been passed down from person to person, written by hand. And then in 1516, Tyndale, William Tyndale started printing, and that really changed the world because Bibles were printed on a press. But when it comes to the Old Testament, you know, the, the first half of the Bible, uh, there's some fascinating information about the reliability. But let's, let's jump to how accurate are the New Testament biblical copies. So, and we'll do that by comparing the Bible to some other historical writings. So, take Caesar's Gaelic Wars. That was probably written in 50 BC, and we've got 10 surviving manuscripts, copies of, of that work. And of the, of the copies that we have, most of those date somewhere around the 10th century AD and after, uh, which is, you know, hundreds of years after the original was written. Uh, there's a historian named Livy. He wrote the history of Rome, and his writing was around the time of Christ. And we have 20 manuscripts of his. Um, we have two from Tacitus. He wrote the histories and the annals. Um, that was somewhere around 100 AD. And again, his, his copies that we have are from the 9th or 11th centuries, so many, many hundreds of years later. Uh, we have eight manuscripts from uh, Thucydides. He wrote the history of the Peloponnesian War. And so manuscripts coming from this period that we're looking at, when the Bible was written, you know, in the first century and other works written around that time, what, you, what we usually have is somewhere like two or eight or 20 manuscripts, copies that were passed down. And, the many, and many of the copies that we have were from the 9th, 10th, or 11th centuries. And historians and scholars all over are confident that they're reading the legitimate works of Caesar and Tacitus and these historians. Uh, 
Are you ready to hear the number of New Testament manuscripts? Now this number comes from a place in Germany uh, called the Institute for New Testament Textual Research. It's in Munster. And they've got all the data carefully recorded. You can see where this information comes from. And they've, uh, they've cataloged 5,801 manuscripts. And that's amazing. Either whole manuscripts or some of them are fragments, but you know, pushing nearly 6,000 handwritten physical copies of the New Testament that can be seen and studied. And instead of being many hundreds of years later after the original, the earliest copies that we have are dated to the second century, maybe even within a hundred years of the original writing. Um, here's even a picture of one that was one of the earliest uh, copies that we have. This, this one is just a fragment, but it's incredible to see this, this thing surviving now today. We have a bunch around this time period. So when you compare that against any other historical writing, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Bible stands alone and is unquestionable in its, its ability to pass this particular test with flying colors. So we've looked at some facts about the Bible. We've looked at some tests for determining its reliability as a historical writing. But there's so much more that we're not going to cover today. But there's, so much, there's a vast body of research that all points to the rock-solid nature of the Bible. I didn't even touch on the process of how men came to write the Bible and the process of how it was decided which historical writings will be included in the Bible and determined was the Word of God. But let me, let me give you this quote from one scholar. He says, It's reassuring at the end to find that the general result of all of these discoveries and all of this study is to strengthen the proof of the authenticity of, our, of the Scriptures and our conviction that we have in our hands in substantial integrity, the veritable Word of God. Praise God. It's amazing to have confidence like that. Let's go back to what the Bible says. In Psalm 119, uh, a simple, small verse, but it says, Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in the heaven. God's word is rock solid. It's unchangeable. It endures. It has endured throughout history. This is a this verse is a beautifully succinct statement about the reliability of God's Word. You might still have questions. Uh, you might have specific doubts or things in your mind that are sort of unresolved. But I believe with my whole heart that there are satisfying answers. So if you want to strengthen your confidence in the Bible, uh, if here, here's one thing you can do. If genuine questions remain, do some additional research. Research additional resources to root out any more doubt that you might have about this being legitimate. And then decide, is it reliable or not? Make up your mind about if it's worth being followed. One of the reasons that people throw shade on the Bible, I think, is if we're honest, it gets in the way of living the way we want to live. If the Bible is true, it gives some pretty clear boundaries on our lifestyle and the way we talk and the way we do money and the way we handle so much of life. Again, there's countless topics and there's instructions for all of them. So if you've ever wanted to just live the way you want to live, disregard God, then that would maybe help you throw some shots at the Bible to discredit its validity. Um, if that's the case, a big step towards deepening confidence in the Bible is to take it seriously. Maybe more research 
is not what's needed. Maybe it's just time to take the Bible seriously, to read it and then apply it. And really, it may be that personal experience is the best evidence. Look at what Jesus himself said about his words. In John 7, 17, he says, anyone that chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Meaning, a commitment to obey, a commitment to apply what God has said, it's a prerequisite for being able to properly understand it. Applying what God has said and living it out is mandatory. Really, the purpose of the Bible is to change lives. So since personal experience is one of the best evidences, I, I wanted to give you a chance to hear from a member of our church who has had a lot of experience with the Bible. She's going to tell one story of how the, the Bible intersected with real life and how it really helped her in a time of need. So you can listen to Holly share about her story. Yeah, a few years ago, um, before I was married, before I had kids, I was a junior high teacher and um, my first year of teaching was really, really hard. I had a few students that were just really tough and a few that threatened me and it just was a rough, it was a rough year. Um, and I remember sharing this with one of my mentors and I was telling her how I just dreaded going to work and she asked me a question that I'll never forget. She asked, um, well, do you love your students? I was like, some of them, but definitely not all of them. Um, and she really encouraged me to just pray daily that the Lord would help me to develop a love for my students, especially the ones that were really tough to love. And so I started praying every day that God would help me with that. And I hung out with another friend and I was sharing this with her and she shared a verse with me that was really helpful. Um, it's Proverbs 29, 11. Fools are quick to express their anger, but a wise man is patient and controls themselves. And I remember thinking like, wow, that is so helpful. So I wrote it down and the more I thought about that verse, I thought about how I was really reacting emotionally to my students instead of choosing to respond patiently to them when I would feel frustrated or angry or whatever. And just that change in perspective was so helpful. So I wrote down the verse and I kept it in my desk. And most days, if I was having a rough day, I'd pull it out before that class period would come in. And um, the year was still tough. It's not like God made it any easier, but he did help me choose to um, be patient with my students. And um, the crazy thing is now that I'm a mother, I. I have a son who sometimes pushes my buttons and I sometimes get angry, but because of the lessons that I learned and the scripture that I learned back then that really helped with that anger and how to respond, um, it's more easy for me to choose to respond patiently to him. Um, so that verse is still helpful even now in a completely different stage of life. What happened for Holly was that she saw the Bible made a real difference in her everyday life. And because of that, her confidence in the Bible was strengthened and to where she could say, this thing is legitimate. This is real. This intersects with real life. So one other way that you might consider strengthening your confidence in the Bible is to commit to reading it and making it a daily part of life. You might even commit a certain number of times per week that you want to read. Maybe you've never done that. 
or maybe you used to have a routine, but it's gotten sloppy or inconsistent, you can make a decision today to renew your commitment to reading the words of God. And today's message didn't really touch on the how-tos of daily Bible reading. There's actually a lot of uh, strategy that might go behind that. There's, there's some ways of developing a habit that lasts a long time because the Bible is big and complex. And so we've provided a handout. Um, we can include a link as well, or you can email us. Uh, there's a handout called 10-Minute Quiet Time. You can do anything for 10 minutes a day. Um, but let us know if you want to use that or if you have additional questions or you want more guidance about how to interact with the Bible daily. If the Bible truly is the Word of God, if God is creator and he says he is who he says he is, wouldn't you want to know what he said? If God really did make us and he made everything on this planet and he's got a strong opinion about how life is lived and that he is good and forgiving and generous, wouldn't you want to know how to draw near him? Wouldn't you want to know how to bring your life into alignment with him? At the end of time, or at the end of our lives, whichever one comes first, I believe that everyone will prove the Bible is true. Yeah, I believe everyone will prove it true either by their obedience and the results that come from that or by their disobedience and what flows from that. Look at how this is contrasted in Proverbs 30, 5-6. Every word of God is pure. This is a statement from the Bible, from God, about his words. Every, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words or he will rebuke you and you'll be proved a liar. These are tough words to face if, if we lean towards the side of neglecting God's word. But what a hope and encouragement for those who place their trust in God's word. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield to those who trust him. There's a tremendous safety. There's a well-being in life. And there's just joy and goodness that comes from careful obedience to his word. Let us do the work of bringing our lives into alignment with God. And let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of your word and that you didn't leave us just blind and stumbling around without any help at all. But your word is, it's, it is amazingly helpful and useful for guiding us, correcting us, um, training us in righteousness so that we have everything that we need to obey you. I pray that you would bring additional confidence in the reliability of your word to the members of our congregation and those watching now. Um, and more importantly, I pray that our commitment and our desire to yield our lives to you and to your ways would deepen as well. Um, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to see the blessing and the life change that comes from bringing our lives into alignment with you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.